Remember, for it to be a forward pass, it's got to go forward. Kaepernick, end zone, Crabtree, broken up, picked off! This game is over! Well, I'm the best corner in the game! When you try me with a sorry receiver like Crabtree, that's the result you're going to get! Don't you ever talk about me! L-O-B. He wants to get in a fight, you can't do that! Quarterback, you can't fight! All right, everybody, welcome along to uh, this weekend's Off the Ball, this week's Off the Ball NFL podcast. With us, as ever, Sam Monson, the Pro Football Focus, Kian Faye, Football Guys, and Mick McCarthy, Patriots fan and Off the Ball producer. Um, we're going to have fantasy advice and bragging a little bit later on, as well as Mick's picks. But first, some of the big stories from last week. We should really start, I think, on Cam Newton. Um, after last season, when he was beaten to a bloody pulp consecutively, this year he's put the team on his back, and um, and he's doing really well with almost no weapons, Sam. He, he very much... This is the blossoming of an elite quarterback we're seeing this season? It's certainly a guy who probably belongs in the MVP discussion at this point. Um, you looked at Carolina before the season, and it looked it looked awful. Um, there was no offense to speak of. It was Cam Newton and pretty much nobody else. There was an offensive line that looked terrible. No receivers once Kelvin Benjamin went down injured. Um, but the offensive line has actually been surprisingly okay, um, with the notable exception of Michael Orr, who's career highlight remains a movie about him. Um, the, the rest of the offensive lines actually played pretty well and, and protected Newton reasonably, giving them a pretty good run-blocking foundation. Um, but the wide receivers are completely AWOL. There's, there's nobody there. It's Cam Newton is just trying to get it done almost on his own and with Greg Olson at tight end. Um, my favorite statistic about the, uh, the Panthers wide receivers at the moment is that Devin Funches has now dropped as many passes as he's caught this season, which is a real staggering level of ineptitude when you're talking about five of each. Uh, and yet, Keen, they, they roll on. Well, it's, it's usually been about Newton. Sam is saying the offensive line is better. I'm not sure how much better it is than expected, but the way they're calling plays, they're helping their offensive line a lot. You see them keeping in a running back and a tight end a lot and you going off of play action, which puts a lot of pressure on Newton to find receivers who aren't very good and find them in tighter windows, but he's been able to do that. Last week, he, he wasn't great against the Seahawks, to be honest. He For the first three quarters, he struggled a little bit, but in the fourth quarter, he was unbelievable. In the last two drives, he, he, he was 11-12 for 89 yards and a touchdown, and the one miss was a big drop, one of Funches's drops, which was a, a deep pass down the field. So he, he was pretty much perfect at the end when the when the Panthers needed him most. Yeah, at the precise moment that Russell Wilson wasn't as well. Well, Russell Wilson is kind of is another story completely because he seems to be going in the opposite direction. Why? Um, I, maybe, maybe it's the offensive line. I think it's just might be just a natural regression too. But he's very hesitant to throw the ball. Where he, where he doesn't get a huge amount of time a lot of the time, but when he does get time, he's still turning down open receivers, running out of clean pockets, making bad decisions. And it's the kind of stuff, I think they protected him a lot early in his career, but the year they won the Super Bowl, he was very, very good that year. He was legitimately really good. He wasn't just managing games, even though he did a little bit of that in the playoffs. He was carrying an offense that wasn't usually talented. And ever since then, it's just progressively got worse as far as I can tell. He's just not as confident throwing the ball as he used to be. Um, what about, like, we talked a little bit last week about building from your O-line up as opposed to buying the famous um, receivers. Do you think 
is it too early to say that swapping Unger for Jimmy Graham was a bad idea? You're saying it's not that talented an offense anyway, so you can't get rid of like your big guys up front. No, I, I don't think it's too early because, I, but to be fair, I, I'm not sure it was a great idea from the start. But but I think it would have been a good move if they'd used him properly. They're not; they don't seem to be using him properly to me. I know there's a lot of debate over it, but he's blocking too often. His routes are too short. Like Jimmy Graham's basically a six foot seven deep threat, or whatever size he actually is. I'm not sure if that's his exact size, but he's basically someone who needs to just run down the field and win at the catch point. And they have him being a blocker, even pass blocking at times. They have him running routes short of the first down marker where he has to catch the ball, turn, beat a defender and get it first down. And that's just not using the player to his strengths. Yeah, now they did actually change that up a little bit. Last week was the first week that he had decent stats. I think he had about 150 yards. Um, And maybe there's some signs that things are going to start improving a little bit for the Seahawks because they were really good, Sam, for three quarters. There is this fourth quarter malaise that they're going through at the moment. They've had leads in a load of games since the Super Bowl. And they've lost them, and I don't know if that just gets into a team's head, and it's a psychology issue with the coaching staff, and the, you know, you start calling conservative plays, the the defense goes a little bit soft, and something just gets in into the group. This time last year, we were going, ooh, the Seahawks are in crisis, and things worked out okay for them, almost amazingly well for them for the rest of the season. So it's not quite the full blown crisis just yet, is it? No, it's not. And they caught a big break with Arizona losing this week. Um, the Cardinals should have been able to beat Pittsburgh with a combination of Michael Vick and Landry Jones, at quarterback, and they didn't. They managed to stumble and blow that. But it's another big week for Seattle. They've got to go and win a game down in San Francisco, you know, division rival who just showed brief signs of life against a pretty bad Baltimore team. Um, but it's it's not too late for them yet. That defense is still good. They're having more kind of total coverage breakdowns busted plays, you know, guys being on different pages at times, which has cost them the last two games. They've had um, total coverage bust, total breakdowns in that secondary in each of the last two games, in, in close games, and it, it directly cost them this last one, and it cost them points in the one before, which they they couldn't afford to give up. Um, and I don't know whether that's a product of Dan Quinn leaving and going to Atlanta yeah. as their head coach, or whether it's you know, whether that's upset the, the kind of structure of how plays get called in and, and that kind of thing, or whether it's just a case of they've happened to have had a couple of them at really bad, inopportune times, and it's cost them. Um, but it should be something they can get back on track. You know, the the talent is still there. Those guys, especially up front, are still destroying teams. The, the secondary, you know, it's still got three quarters of their best players there, and the, the fourth quarter is is the most replaceable part. So, you know, that should be able to get back on track. I I think this team can still challenge for, for a playoff spot and, and make some noise. But I do agree that, that the trading for Jimmy Graham and giving up Max Unger does look to have been a bit of a mistake. Not because, you know, it, it, it was a, a conscious decision that we're going to make a bad part of our team even worse. Uh, we're going to get Jimmy Graham on the other side of that. And they definitely don't really know what to do with Jimmy Graham yet. I think they're getting there, but it may take the whole season before they work out exactly what to do with him. Okay, so there uh, against the 49ers, by the time you listen to this, that game will be over and you'll know one way or another if it's full-blown crisis or else they've kind of taken the first <laughs> tentative steps to recovery, which is far more likely. We'll get it up at like 8 or 9 tonight. You'll have a couple of hours window to get it in there. Um, uh, the, everything you just heard may be wrong. Yeah, yeah. The Eagles... Uh, are at the Panthers this week, and um, I'm wondering if maybe you know if if Sam Bradford just stops throwing interceptions, are the Eagles have they turned a bit of a corner, Ken? Uh, I think they have, but I, I think 
their main turn the corner, the main main way they've turned the corner is actually on defense rather than on offense. The front seven looks to be fantastic, and it has been pretty good for a while. But now that the secondary, well, more more the cornerbacks and the safeties, now that the secondary is kind of holding up, even though it doesn't look anything special, it's letting the front seven thrive a bit. Offensively, Bradford's an issue. He's been very inconsistent. He, to me, he doesn't look comfortable, and that's probably an issue that comes back to the two ACLs. I, I believe in his talent as a passer. I think he can be a very good player, but he hasn't been that yet. But I don't think he's the only issue on offense. I think their receivers lack speed when Aguilar and Josh Hoff aren't on the field, and Aguilar was injured last week, and Josh Hoff doesn't really get on the field a huge amount. Uh, the offensive line is better than it was, but it's still not great, and the play calling, to me, is still bizarre because we see everyone can see Bradford struggling yeah. everyone sees DeMarco Murray is able to run the ball between the tackles DeMarco Murray barely gets the ball and when he does get the ball he's going outside so I, I think anyone you don't need to be an offensive genius like Chip Kelly to see that that's not a good idea but we're in week six week seven whatever it is now so this is the way they're going to be moving forward so I think that's going to hamper them from being one of the real contenders, but maybe they'll figure it out. It's just hard to, to better than doing it at this point. Yeah, what's your take on the whole Chip Kelly experiment so far, Keen? Because it does seem that there was unmerciful pressure for the first three, four weeks. That's beginning to ease a little bit on him. People are kind of coming off that, so this guy doesn't have a clue what he's doing. It's two jobs. He can't do two jobs. Maybe he can do two jobs and maybe he's, he's working away out here. I, I find the whole thing funny, really. I have to say for myself, for myself personally, I thought... I, I was very sceptical of him before he came into the NFL because I, I saw a quote where his defensive coordinator said uh, Chip Kelly and he had never actually talked during a game for as, as long as he was at Oregon. And that, to me, kind of made me think that's going to be a major problem. But over his first two years, I thought he's been brilliant. He's, his offensive scheme is really good and he gets the most of the players. He uses players the way they should be used. But now we've got to the point where because he made moves that a lot of people didn't like, because he got rid of players that people knew, Everyone said it had to work immediately or there's going to be, there's going to be war, there's going to be rioting. And, and people were overreacting to the first couple of weeks, in my opinion. And we've kind of killed him for going against the grain yeah. while we will kill another coach for just being a coach and following tradition of what every other coach does. So you can really see he's in a no-win situation with the media, but ultimately he'll decide it on the field, of course. He, he will if, if they win this year. I don't think he, he's, his job is under threat if they lose this year, but I think winning this year will really help him because it will just ease some of the pressure on him, ease some of the criticism. Okay, we should talk about the uh, Jets-Pats this weekend. Um, the spread, and this is 10 points for the Pats, which seems a little bit high to me, Sam, I have to say, given the way that um, the Jets are kind of an underrated, undervalued 4-1. and one. Uh, Their defense is excellent. They've got a run game. They have two wide receivers. Okay, so maybe their quarterback's not exactly, you know, <laughs> in, in the same calibre as his opponent this weekend. But they're not a bad team. No, they're, they're a good team. Um, I'm not on board with them, but there's a good few people at PFF that think the Jets are going to knock over the Patriots this weekend, um, precisely because of all the stuff you've just been talking about. There, there's a lot of talent on this roster. and A guy like Chris Ivory, um, you know, the knock on him has always been if you can just keep him healthy, he's yeah. a really, really good player. Top five. And yeah, at least at the moment, they've kept him healthy. Um, and he honestly reminds me a lot of Adrian Peterson in that when he's running with the ball in his hand, he's an absolutely devastating weapon, really fast, really strong, powerful runner, isn't the best receiver in the world, but if you can just get him the ball, you know, dump offs, that kind of thing, he can do the same things with the ball in his hand in the, in the passing game. Um, and, you know, neither one of them are, are amazing blockers and you're just going to have to accept that. But 
they're very similar players, and I, and I mean that in talent level as well. You know, people look at Adrian Peterson as this all-world Hall of Fame like running back. Chris Ivory has that kind of ability if they could just keep him healthy for an extended period of time. And like I say, now we're seeing that. Um, and the offensive line has been okay. You know, they're winning kind of in spite of of Ryan Fitzpatrick. But I think he does have the the kind of capability of making enough big plays during the game to keep them ticking over. He's He's a terrible game-managing quarterback, which is what everybody wants their quarterback to be if the guy isn't very good. But he does have a, you know, he's able to make big plays, both running and taking off and extending drives that way, and a few with his arm to kind of offset the horrendous decisions that he will make at some point during the game. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting Um, game when he's playing. Mm. Yeah, and then that defense is good enough to really cause the Patriots problems, especially up front where that D-line is pretty fearsome. And the Patriots now have a really banged up offensive line. Um, they're they're kind of better able to mitigate that than most teams because they get rid of the ball so quickly. But it's going to cause problems. I'm really worried about this game. The Jets always cause the Patriots problems anyway. I, I always thought that was a bit of a Rex Ryan team. But we talked last week about the Patriots always running over the Colts that they have a that they always get the 200 yards or whatever. It didn't quite materialise, but the Jets always do that to the Patriots, and Ivory has had some massive games against them. And the way he's playing at the moment, actually in form this time, as opposed to just randomly doing against the Patriots, is a big worry. I would worry about the defence, as Sam said there, but and I'm also a little bit worried about Revis will find a way, way to figure out Edelman, yeah. who like but Edelman dropped a couple great. of balls, probably broke his finger. I don't know what they're actually saying about that, but they're probably lying to us. Um, if it's if we know the Patriots, but I mean, like Danny Amendola stepped up last week. Yeah, he was good, but that, but sorry, that's the thing that when you watch these Patriots games, is that you can't figure out how is Edelman always open, how is Amendola always open, and and Brady gets the ball out so quickly that they can just run these routes and always get open. You kind of figure that Revis has been there; he's been practicing against them for a year. He's got the inside skinny. We've said that about a lot of players before, but I don't know if anybody's ever been as good as Darrell Revis. So that's just a worry. Yeah, I don't know. It's only one game though. The Patriots are still. Maybe they need to lose. We don't want this undefeated pressure this early in the season, do they? Well, if they lose this game, then suddenly the, the, there's no guarantee they're going to win the division because they'd both be in the same... Uh, do, you trust, do you trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to go and go through the season and not like you know lose random games? Yeah, to okay, the so the Pats are going to win the division. I'm just talking nonsense. <laughs> but uh, you know, we've, got to, <laughs> we've got to talk these things through here. We do. Um, okay, on to the Bengals. Uh, Minus 10 is a ridiculous spread, by the way. We'll talk about that later. But that's, that's just Pat's money that people who just bet early in the week and put money on the Patriots no matter what. It's a crazy that. line. Um, we should talk about the, the Bengals. They keep doing it. They've got this incredible range of offense. Um, Keen, there's no sign of anything stopping. Anytime, say, uh, AJ Green w- was out last week, no problems. They can uh, just throw it to Tyler Eifert uh, and they have, if one of the running backs isn't doing it, then the other one steps up. This is a real, real team who should actually go deep into the playoffs this year, assuming injury problems don't derail them yeah I'm in this bizarre situation where I'm all in on the Bengals and I still don't trust their quarterback so it's a bit like the Jets except they're kind of better version of the Jets uh I the, the talent they have is just phenomenal you look at la- last week I think AJ Green had a quiet game I don't think he was shut down so much as the Bengals were trying to kind of just going elsewhere but AJ Green has a quiet game Mohamed Sanu has a couple of big catches on the field and he's got one more where he should have had a 43-yard touchdown in Dalton just overthrew him when he was wide open. And this is against the Bills' defence that is supposed to be one of the best defences in the league, and they basically just brushed past the defence and just put up over 30 points with ease. 
And you're looking at them doing this and you think, okay, they can't really stop the run on defense, but if they're scoring over 30 points a game on good defenses, what are they going to be like later in the year against a team like the Patriots? The Patriots are probably their main concern because the Broncos' defense can probably stop them, but Peyton Manning's, no one really knows what Peyton Manning's going to be and what the offense is going to be. Yeah. So you think the AFC, at this point, it looks like it's going to come down to a shootout between the Bengals' offense going against what is a very limited Patriots defense, in my opinion, and the Patriots' offense going against a, a Bengals' defense that has a very specific weakness. So I, I think that's where we're going to end up in the AFC, and, and at this point, the Bengals are one of the teams that I was skeptical of coming into the year, but one of the teams now that I'm pretty much just all in on because they've been that good. Yeah, although the Broncos' D could actually win all their games 3-0 for the rest of the season. It's... Uh... <laughs> It's, it's, it's the way that they've been playing. They're not going to be playing against the Browns every week, though, either. No, it's true. It's true. Like Peyton, oh, it's actually sad to see in a That's way. Like Peyton is holding them back. Yeah, but it's inc- did you see his interception in overtime last week? But it's an incredible how they got away with that. Interesting thing to watch yeah. that he's still going out there. I, I have I have a lot of respect, Sam, for what Peyton Manning is doing here because everybody's saying, "Oh, you're completely risking your legacy by doing this," but actually, he's like, "Screw you! I love football." And I love the money that comes with it and the, and the ads. And uh, I just want to be out there. And I'm like, yeah, okay, go on. thing is, I don't know if he understands what the problem is. Um, you know, everyone points to the arm, and his arm is garbage. But that's been the case for two or three years. Since he came back from the neck injury, his arm has been bad. And even if it's gotten worse this year than previous years, it's not by much. And it's not the reason he's suddenly gone from being, you know, an elite quarterback with a bad arm to a guy who's, Terrible, like awful. Um, and I honestly don't know if he knows what the issue is at the moment. I, I've heard from Broncos players who are telling me that in practice he looks amazing. Like nice. even the arm looks good in practice. There's no, you know, there's none of these horrible lame duck passes that are going straight to linebackers. Um, and if when you look at the throws he's making, they're terrible, terrible decisions. It's not a case of you know the arm is, is undone him here. It's it's a pass that would look good ten years ago when he was in his prime. It's a case of there's a linebacker between where you want to go and where you're standing, and you've just thrown it straight to him, and he was always there. Yeah, and does, those are the decisions that I don't understand because you know Peyton Manning's legacy is that he's been one of the most cerebral quarterbacks in history, and it's now the decision making that's letting him down most of all. So I honestly don't know why that's happening and if he can fix it because. You know, even if he's just, even if he's a terrible armed quarterback for the rest of the season, if you just eliminate the horrible decisions, he becomes one of the best you know game managing quarterbacks ever. And there should be no reason he can't do that. But so far, there's been no sign of it. Were you going to say something? No, no, it's okay. I was going to say that, like, as part of getting old and suddenly having physical defects, is not having the composure he once had because he's worrying about these things. So maybe the decisions don't aren't yeah, made as, I, as well as they used to. I think it's a good point, except the, the two kind of counters I have to that is, one, it's not a sudden thing. You know, the, the, the kind of degradation of his arm has been for, for years now. And two, when that actually happened, when he first came back from the neck injury and he, he first started playing for the Broncos, he, he almost entirely retaught himself how to play the game in the space of two games. Um, when he first started playing, he threw three picks um, in the first quarter against Atlanta, all of them with the same throw, essentially. Seemed down the middle of the field that he used to throw every single game in Indianapolis. And now he can't make that throw. And he sort of realized almost immediately, oh, I can't make that throw. I can't even attempt it. That's now gone from the, the arsenal. Mm. And, and he scored 55 he, touchdowns. 
Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then he then he completely rebuilt his game and just became an all pro without that string to his bow. Yeah. So the fact that he's been able to do that and now suddenly can't figure out how to fix that seems weird. Yeah. I do have somewhat of a theory. I, I think he's he feels the hits a lot more this year and towards the end of last year than he had previously because it, it looks to me as if he's making a pre-snap read and he's not as comfortable adjusting afterwards because he wants to get rid of the ball much quicker than before. All that Papa John's has gone to his like uh, layer of flab that usually would have protected him with muscle previously. Is that the... Well, that and just generally being 40 years of age playing quarterback <laughs> against 22-year-old monsters. Yeah. But I think that that combined with his offensive line is so much worse than it was before, even though it, was, it wasn't ever great before. Uh, I, and I think he's just rushing everything. I think he, unless he gets it at the, pre, uh, at the pre-snap, he's not going to figure it out afterwards. I have to say, Demarius Thomas dropping passes isn't doing him, doing him any favours either. He doesn't have all that many weapons. He dropped two awful passes on Sunday. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But like when you're not having your greatest season and you're not doing too well, you need your wide receiver to catch the open passes. Yeah, Thomas has been weird to me. I, I don't know if Sam's been tracking it, but he seems to be way better at contested catches this year, but worse when he's open in, in the field. And I don't know, that's something I've noticed. I haven't tracked it myself, but, but that's the way it's looked to me. Um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, it's always been, he, he's always a guy, he's like 6'3 and 225, something like that, but has never played like it. But he actually is a bit more this season. We should talk about the other undefeated team, which is the Packers, which is this weird situation where they've got one of the best running backs in the game who got, I think, was it three yards last weekend or certainly three three carries? And suddenly James Starks is the uh, the hot button topic here. Keen, I know you've been doing a bit of work on this this week. Um, is Starks like for like with Lacey? Does it matter who the running back is now that they've actually got a running back? It doesn't matter that it's going to be either of these two for in terms of what that allows the offense to do? No, Starks isn't like Lacey because Lacey's a more disciplined runner. Starks is kind of feast or famine. You you saw his um his long touchdown run last week actually kind of came from a mistake where he ran into his own blocker on the left side of the field and then just bounced off him and spun to the other side. And the Chargers just happened to not have anyone covering the back side of the play, so he could just run to space and sprint in for the touchdown. That's kind of who he's been throughout his career, and he's he's twenty nine years of age at this point. So, um, Lacey Lacey's the bigger issue here because I think Lacey. There's always talk about Lacey's weight, and some people have been talking about whether he's healthy or not at the moment. And to me, he has looked very slow. I don't know if he's overweight. I don't know if he's hurt. I'm just just from what I can see where he's running, he looks slower to the hole. He looks slower through the hole than he has in in previous seasons. You, I think the Packers will need him because without Jordy Nelson, that receiving core isn't where it used to be. We're seeing Aaron Rodgers as working miracles. He's been brilliant, but. The, and the offense has been good overall, but against better teams, it's going to be very hard to ask him to go out there with just James Jones, uh, James Starks and Eddie Lacy on one leg. He's going to need some sort of balance. Uh, do you think that they go to the market? They never do. Like they, there's no history of them picking up players mid-season, but like, there's a Super Bowl window open, flapping open for them. Is it not a bit remiss of them not to do something? Well, the, the interesting thing to me is, I, I think Greg Jennings is probably available, but... If we remember after Greg Jennings left Green Bay, he had a few choice words to say about Aaron Rodgers, about Aaron Rodgers not taking blame, and Packers fans have generally not liked Greg Jennings. So I think they could go there, and it would make a lot of sense in terms of football. In terms, of, I know it's not a running back, it's a wide receiver, but it would elevate the whole offense because I think he's better than anything they've got. But I just, as you say, Ted Thompson doesn't make those kind of moves, and he's very much focused on getting players through the draft, building through the, te- uh, the offseason rather than during the season. So... 
I, I would bet against them making no or I would bet for them making no moves. All right, there's football all weekend. This weekend, uh, the London game is going to be... Bales uh, of Jags. Yeah, and no Tyrod and no Percy Harvin <laughs> and no Sammy Watkins for the Bills. Can't wait. Um, so it's not going to be the best game of football that we've ever seen. But so it's EJ Manuel versus Blake Bortles. Yeah. Selling at Wembley. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? It is amazing that it's selling out when yeah. uh, Just briefly, the, the Steelers um, and it looks like Dallas are going to get their star players back over the next couple of weeks. They've both managed just about to um, stay in touch and do what they need to do. Does the return of Big Ben and the return of Des Bryant, if that actually is going to happen, does that turn those two teams? I mean, obviously... And Tony Romo. Yeah, Tony Romo is yeah. obviously another key piece for them. But does that mean that these guys, they could actually still end up having a say at the end of the season well, certainly the Steelers you'd expect to be able to with what they've done but Dallas aren't cooked yet are they? No I think the Steelers definitely are right back in contention I mean Ben Roethlisberger was playing as well as any quarterback before he went down and the fact that they've been able to win games with Michael Vick a quarterback shows that the rest of the team is probably better than people gave it credit for um, so I think you give them Roethlisberger back they're right back in the mix they, they may not win the division with the way Cincinnati's playing but they'll lock up a wild card and they'll be they'll have a serious say come come the playoffs. Um Dallas, you know, that, that division is completely up for grabs. Um, their entire uh plan for the entire time they've been like Romo and Dez is just not to lose touch in that division. And so far nobody else in that division has been able to do anything. You know, it's it's just one team stumbling to from loss to win to loss. So, you know, as long as they don't fall off the bottom of that until those guys come back. They'll they'll be a serious contention to actually win the division, let alone a wild card. We're I'd, more, actually go, on, I'd actually go one step further with Dallas because the way the Seahawks have played, the way the Packers are, are underperforming a little bit, I think if Dallas was fully, or were fully healthy, they'd be the best team in the NFC. Wow. Yeah, uh, we, we're pretty much wrapping up here, but we actually can't have an NFL podcast this week without mentioning the greatest play in NFL history. Oh, yeah. Top five theories on what the Colts were trying, lads? <laughs> well, apparently what they were trying was to not, under any circumstances, snap the ball, which is what they managed to fail at. Um, so, apparently, my favourite part of the whole story is that um, Pat McAfee, or whoever it was, was actually receiving the ball, was screaming at Griff Whalen to not snap the ball, which... <laughs> like, if there's one thing you're not going to yell in a hostile environment with noise is the negative of what you want them to do you know that yeah. was the greatest part about it though was that he the guy who was taking the ball took a second to react because he was so unexpected and the two Patriots guys I think Bolden was one of them are just waiting going wait they actually snapped it there's a second gap there and then they just go and get him swallow him up it was brilliant it was the funniest thing I've ever seen I, I think my my favourite part of it was they, they did the whole play and then you, you thought you were going to get an explanation where it would make it sound better make it sound more reasonable and then the explanation was that uh, the person snapping the ball had never done it before because <laughs> In the game, and you're kind of thinking that just makes it ten times worse. Yeah, he yeah, was on a different practice field when we were putting this in. Oh balls! It's the type of thing that's uh, going to cost somebody his job. Quite probably the head coach. <laughs> Folks, on that note, my thanks as ever to Kian Fai from Football Guys and to Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. You should follow them both on Twitter. I'll give you the details in just a moment. Thanks, lads. Yeah. Thanks. So this is a bit of the uh, show where we talk a little bit of fantasy and do mixed picks. Uh, not too much fantasy talk this week because I beat Donny by over 70 points in uh, in one league. 
can we just briefly talk about my fantasy week really quickly? Go for it. So I lost... Oh, hello, him. Donny, by the way. Hello. Ah, so Donnie's, 70 points, He's buddy. a bit down, he's a bit down. That's a big loss. More than double scores. I lost to Mossy in that league by two points, having scored 117 points. Well, that's good scoring. Yeah, um, had a really good... Like, Garrett Blunt, I put into the team. People said I was an idiot. Yeah. I wasn't an idiot. Mossy's team is ridiculous. It's good, isn't it? Um, so I lost that game, right? I can take that. Okay, that's a good performance. You lose. In another league where I'm 0-5, despite... I think I pretty much have a good team. I'm up, I'm up against... I have a really good week, my best week in it. I score over 100 points on the NFL.com, which isn't easy to do. I lose by, get this, 0.04 points. It's even a quarterback. My, if Matt Ryan threw one more yard, yeah. I win that game. It's yeah. insane. And then I lost another one. Um, I lost to Keen Murta in another league where... Um, you too many leagues, Mick? Yeah, well, on Monday night's game... Uh, I had Jordan Matthews and Rashard Jennings both had a fumble which is minus two points each I lost by less than four points <laughs> this week I'm playing uh, Michal Quirk I have no quarterback no kicker and no D and I still think I've got a good chance of winning <laughs> <laughs> how are you Donny? yeah great yeah loving this talk this is brilliant who are you, who, really enjoying this who are you playing this week? I could not tell you I don't know he's given up on life Ger. Uh, so you what one in five in that in that you're definitely going to get the first pick again in the draft. No, I don't think I don't think that's necessarily true. There's a few basement dwellers. Um, well, we're just building up for the future. Every 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 week is a team building experience. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be funny in two or three years when the meek have inherited the earth and the bastard gloaters like yourself are just uh, still beating the shit but, out of you. Nah, <laughs> When Calvin Johnson has no more comebacks left in him. In oh, a he was years, amazing yeah. last week. Charcandric West, how did that work out for you, buddy? I, like, I don't really know. What, what do you want me to say here? Like, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, honestly, you're rubbing like, it in after beating by 70 points, Jared. It's I not very becoming. It's like, it's of all of your horrible traits, like <laughs> terrible pride and gloating is definitely the least attractive of them. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to sit here and, and, and take it, but um, well, I don't expect me to laugh about it or whatever. It's just that you should actually feel guilty about this because you were the one who got me into fantasy in the first place. Yeah. Oh, right. So it's my fault. Yeah. Can we turn Donnie's frown upside down and talk about mixed picks? Yeah, he's in the Where mood. he had a... Another two and one week with a pretty solid pick of Miami, which everybody scoffed at. The Jags, which everybody scoffed at rightly. Yeah. And uh, Carolina, which Jared definitely scoffed at, plus seven, who uh, ended up winning the game by four points. So he had an 11 point cushion there. It wasn't bad. Yeah, that was good. Well, I mean, that's, that's just the kind of, that's what I deliver here week in, week out, two thirds, uh, two, two out of three every week. Uh, what, how did you guys do? I got one and one and two. One and two, Jerry got. He lost on the Pats, who there was a stupid, which I also lost on, which was a garbage time cover by the Colts. Um, the Cardinals minus 3.5 obviously didn't work out too well. They lost by 12 points. But the 49ers, you had um, one and you had them plus two. I lost on the Pats. I lost on the Broncos by a point and I pushed on the Chicago Bears so a pretty terrible week 0-1-2 and two. so I'm pretty much last in that league at the moment we'll figure out the table at some stage OK uh, you want to pick your picks Mick? Do I? Yeah. Uh, OK I'm going to go for the Atlanta Falcons on the road minus 4.5 at the Tennessee Titans I am going to take the uh, Cleveland Browns plus 6 on the road at the St. Louis Rams which actually seems stupid when I say it out loud and I'm going to take the New York Giants 
No, I'm not. I'm going to take the Miami Dolphins minus four at home to the Texans. Okay. The the Texans who are actually in with a shout in that division, it turns out, because everybody yeah, else is so rubbish. They're still no good. Uh, I'm picking the Jets plus 10 against your your boys. The I New can't do it. It's, it's the obvious pick, but I just can't do it. I'm taking the 49ers plus seven. It's at home, right? I have that circled. It's yeah, at they're home at home, yeah. Against Seattle. It's so nice. I think that's I think that Seattle are gonna win the game, but you know there's a ru- there's room for the forty ers to do something in that one. And um the Raiders plus three and a half, I think, at the Chargers. Yeah. It's gonna be more Raiders fans than Chargers there. This is like an LA derby really in waiting. They're probably gonna be playing the same stadium at some point. Uh, and also, I don't know. Just uh, I have too many Raiders on my fantasy. There are too many Chargers on my fantasy team to think that they're any good. Five hundred yards last week, last week against Green Bay for Philip Rivers. Insane. Who are you going for, Donny? Uh, I'm going to take the Falcons in Tennessee. I think mm-hmm. I got a four and a half here. Uh, yeah, four and a half as well. Yeah. Uh, give me Arizona at home against the terrible Ravens. Minus ten. Yeah, and I would like. Why not? Um, Ride that Jacksonville train, baby. Ride it. Which nah, is- I don't. I don't like the London things. And I was watching Sky Sports News today, and they're trying to big up EJ Manuel as like a uh, legitimate NFL player. And then they're doing these things where they make the African American players eat English food and like act like it's a kind of a funny kind of TV <laughs> segment or whatever. It just sounded all really weird. Um, what were they giving them? Crumpets? Like a big bowl of baked beans and like weirdly like in like kind of roasted carrots and parsnips. Uh, like nobody like outdoors. Like I just I don't know the stuff that these guys have to go through just to play a football game. You know. Um, and I will take. I think maybe. I guess give me Indianapolis at home. I really don't like that. But yeah, give me Indianapolis at home minus four and a half against the Saints. Um, I don't know. I yeah. they might the get Saints. that pun play right this week. I would have picked the Saints plus four and a half. I just think um, there was some suggestion that maybe, although he had the exact same stats as Tom Brady, that uh, Andrew Luck was injured. Well, he kept flying it over his receivers' heads. It was incredible. There was loads of them. All right, we're a bit short for time this week, Donnie. Thanks as ever for um, just taking it like a man and for, yeah. for joining us, Donnie. When am I playing you? I got no luck in this week. I don't know. Soon. Soon, hopefully. Hopefully for this sake. week. Well, hopefully all his best players have recovered from injury by then. Right, that's your lot this week. My thanks to everybody involved in the uh, podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, tweet us. I'm at Jerry Gilroy. He's at McCarthy Mick. Donnie's at Donnie Mahoney. Uh, at PFF underscore Sam or at Kean AF for uh, Kean and Sam. If you've got legitimate questions about stuff for people who know what they're talking about. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your football.